Hello, once again, welcome to the Love Boat of Vikings podcast, a bittersweet win we just had. I'm Matt Johnson, with me is the normal cast and crew. Tyler Ireland's back and Preach on Carter Cox are here. The Vikings just beat the Lions in a not-so-clean game, but a win's a win. Carter, I want to know your take as our resident non-Vikings fan on what you think of the Lions. So I guess my kind of philosophy is that the Vikings are a good team and the Lions are a good team. However, there's a bit of a catch with the Lions. It's that I think they're a good team, but they have a very high ceiling, but that ceiling is not going to get hit this season at all. And, you know, I hope I'm wrong about that. It's always fun to see the Lions do good. Typically, the NFL is better when they're good. But the way that I kind of look at the Lions this year is they're a team that you just do not want to see on your schedule at all. They're just what I would kind of call like a dangerous team. You know, you just don't want to have to play them because you don't really know what you're going to get. You know, you're just going to play just a tough-edged football team. And we were talking in the pregame show a little bit. But the great comparison for the 2022 Lions is probably the 2021 Eagles. It's just a team that you just don't really want to see on your schedule that you know is on the rise. I've kind of compared it to uh, some of the years that Cam wasn't the best quarterback. But when, excuse me, when teams were playing the Panthers, you just didn't want to have to play Cam Newton. And that's the way that I kind of look at the Lions as a whole. So I think they're a good team, you know. Time will tell, but I don't think that ceiling is going to be hit this year at all. I think they're good, and I think I've seen enough of Dan Campbell's coaching to be concerned that whatever team he's putting out, they're going to have an edge, like you said. Uh, Mike Zimmer lost to this team in even poorer form than they are now. Um, It's kind of like a trap team, but like a step up because we know that, you know, it's not going to be an easy game no matter what. Like, there's no chance it's going to be an easy win. Preet. I just want to hear your first reactions from the game. Uh, Do you think we can really gauge the Vikings accurately or are we still not really sure how they compare up with the Lions and what that game really means? It's hard. This is only the third game of the year and the Lions have been good. They've hung with both. They beat the commanders and they hung with the Eagles week one. So I think their offense is very good. And their defense left a little bit to be desired. I know they tripled and doubled JJ most of the game, despite Lions fans had Twitter thinking <laughs> Okuda manned him up the entire game. Right. But uh, it's really what cost him the game was situational coaching. And at that two minute, that uh, attempting that long field goal instead of just going for it when you'd been successful all game. I like their, I like how aggressive they are though. They play like they have nothing to lose. And I think that's incredible though. But I, this is one of those games where it's hard to gauge and we might look back like further along the season and see like, oh, wow, we beat a really good team or like a sleeper team. Yeah, I think we kind of snuck that one out part in the game theory that Dan Campbell put out. They definitely shouldn't have gone for that long field goal. I think that was definitely the nail in the coffin. And not only did it, you know, not let them extend their lead, they lost the game because of it. That doesn't mean I don't like Dan Campbell or maybe in some situations that's the right call, but. I don't know. It's it's not like they were putting out Matt Prater like they have in the years past. Tyler, are the Lions fakers or are they just like a good team that could possibly take, you know, maybe second in the NFC North? The Lions are still kind of mediocre overall. They've got a promising offense, but their defense still needs work. Um, with the first three games, I would say like the Vikings, if you're trying to gauge how good they are, they're slightly above average. 
to be honest, in terms of where the Vikings stack up in the NFL, they're about like the 12th best team in the league. Like that above average, not quite Super Bowl contender tier, which over the last few years is where the Vikings have exactly been. So I think that's fitting for them. I don't know if mediocre is the right word. I mean, they hung with the Eagles and almost won that game. They beat the Commanders, uh, maybe not convincingly, but it was a close game. And I don't think the Commanders are that bad. I mean, their defense sucks, but Carson Wentz is looking better than he has in the past. They're kind of showing up week in, week out, but I think there's just a big mess in the NFC North and no teams really stand out from what I can tell. If uh, you guys have nothing to add about the NFC North as a whole, we can move on. But I was just going to say, I can see a future where one of these years, the Lions finish second or first in the division. They just need to get better at situational coaching and maybe find their guy at quarterback. But I love the aggression Dan Campbell shows early. I just wish he kept with that and went for it on fourth down. Well, I'm glad he didn't because it won us the game. But right. if he would have gone for it on fourth down instead of uh, – kicking it i think they would have probably won the game because we weren't able to we didn't really have an answer most of the game yeah carter ever the lions offensive coordinator is i honestly feel like that guy would be a better head coach than dan campbell like keep dan campbell around but i'm impressed with their offensive coordinator what'd you have carter and dan campbell's a pretty good coach so i can't really say too much about it he'll improve I just wanted to add that the Vikings picked a great time, or excuse me, the Lions picked a great time to come on the rise as there's a lot of controversy in the division right now. And, you know, you look at the future and sure Aaron Rodgers has that contract, but the Packers just look a little messy right now, you know, still the Packers, but timing's right for him for the first time in a while. Yeah. And I think part of like what I'm getting from this game is that, you know, the NFC North is wide open to the extent that hopefully all these teams are good. Now, I think the Bears are fakers because they had that monsoon game that they got a win out of against the 49ers. And like we've all seen the stats that if their team was a wide receiver, what, what was the number card? They'd be like 15th in the league. So to explain this, if you compile all the Bears receivers <laughs> into one conglomerate unit, they would be the 15th best receiver yeah. in the league, which as a is team. a haunting statistic. <laughs> yeah, so Justin no. Jefferson is a best, like has better wide receiver stats than the entire team, like twofold. Darnell, Darnell Mooney has 27 yards in his first, like, three weeks, and 23 of those yards came last week, so... Yeah, it's not Bears week, so we don't need to keep piling on, but it is absurd just kind of the stats that show. They shouldn't you know, be 2-1. and one. No, I, I really I'm, don't think so. They're the worst team in this division. If I can finish sure. it off, I'm really glad they're 2-1 and because now they probably won't get one of the top, like a Will Anderson early with all these like early success. And Field isn't progressing either, so it's like kind of the best of both worlds. I wouldn't be surprised if they go quarterback, obviously, in the next draft. Um move on to a little bit of coaching because I think we saw some poor coaching against the Eagles. I really liked what I saw on offense this week, whether or not Kirk Cousins can execute it is a different story, but Preet go to you on this one. What did you see this week that kind of, you know, are you inspired a little bit more about what KOC is doing on offense? Yeah. So I really liked, um, 
I liked how when he realized Jefferson was going to get tripled and doubled the entire game, he was willing to, you know, make Thielen the first guy to look at, especially with Amani or Warrior being really grabby. And I yeah. like that he was willing to exploit Mike Hughes being on KJ the entire game and KJ just dusting him in that touchdown play. What I, what my favorite thing I saw was uh, the first touchdown where Thielen was wide open in the back of the end zone. He gave them, he gave the Lions defense almost the exact same look he gave the Packers defense on the fourth and one to start the season. He sent Jefferson in motion into the flats. And by the time Jefferson got in the flats, there were three defenders who were all looking right at him instead of at Thielen. And Thielen found himself wide open in the end zone. So I really like the fact that you're able to toss multiple plays from the same look and you don't, you don't become predictable in that way. And with the defense, I don't like how they started. They started really, really poor. Like, you can't allow yourself to get into 14-point deficits like that and expect yourself to come back every week. But the adjustments in the second half, Ed Donatello's been really good at those. He had good adjustments last week, and he had good adjustments this week too. So hopefully he can continue with that. Yeah, that's a good point. He is adjusting better for how bad the defense has looked in the first half. Tyler, um, it kind of seems like you've been pretty critical of Ed Donatel. Why is this defense like... <laughs> giving these wide receivers so much space. Like, even I don't get it, even though I know that's part of the scheme. But they're also just giving up big plays, too, sometimes. So I don't really see the advantage of it. Ed Donatel is trying to, like, minimize the big play. But in doing so, he's just allowing all those easy underneath passes. I mean, for the majority of the game against Detroit, it looked like that final drive the Lions had last season against the Zimmer Vikings where we just did nothing but prevent. And, you know, it was frustrating to watch. I mean, am I happy that the Vikings won in the end? Yeah, they showed a lot of resolve by coming back down like 14 at one point, but how they got there is less than ideal. And I'm pretty concerned about their run defense and just how they go about um, just their zone coverage. The run defense has been exceptionally bad. Yeah. When, when it's not Dalvin Tomlinson or uh, Harrison Phillips in there, if it's like James Lynch or Bullard, it's been awful. Yeah. I want to ask Carter what he thinks about just who's the best team in the NFC North, but I'm kind of been sitting on this game. You know, I've had a little bit of separation since Sunday. And I think I feel fine about the win. It wasn't clean, but I'm starting to buy the theory that a win's a win, whether it was clean or not. So just in the NFL, it's not going to be perfect. So we're going to forget about this game, maybe reference it down the la- uh, down if the Lions are competitors in this division, because, you know, maybe that's one they could have gotten from us. And we stole it. But if we're going to be playoff contenders, this is just you come out with it. You got to be happy with it. Carter. Who are you picking for the NFC North? And maybe give me an order of all the teams just because it's such a tight competition right now. So I guess if you're looking at order purely based on performance this year, you got to put it Vikings at one because, you know, they beat the Packers. You mean so far? So far, yes. If you okay. just look at the three games that have that have gone on, then I'll probably touch on how I think it's going to end. Right. Vikings at one. Packers at two, and Packers would have been at three if they didn't just beat the Bucks. So I think that was a pretty good win. But the Bucks haven't looked the same as they have in the past either. They haven't, but Aaron Rodgers beat Tom Brady. Right. I think that's a huge deal on its own. I mean, Tom Brady was missing his top four wide receivers. 
Like, still can't really say too much, but I and Aaron Rodgers got a peek at that uh, pad in the jumbotron. Yeah, and then obviously Lions at three, and then Bears at a very very low four. Personally, I don't think the um, bottom two really change. I think the Vikings are still a pretty good team, and I'm still pretty high on them. I really just feel like the Packers are going to figure it out and find a way to win this division. But I feel like it's very, very, very likely that two teams from this division are going to make it into the playoffs. You know, I think it's likely going to end Packers, or excuse me, Vikings, Lions, Bears. We could be like the NFC South and end up with like two fifty team, uh, five hundred teams getting in. I think that's really likely. <laughs> really likely. All right. Uh, just one more general note. Fun fact: This is the nineteenth time in team history when Vikings came back from a fourteen point deficit. I also saw. I'm Shout probably going to get this Cole wrong. Mm, fun power trip nod. Also. Was it the second time they've come back to win with two 10-point deficits? I'd have to look up yeah. that stat again. Yeah, it was 1979 was the yep. last time. So, Fun fact, 1979, my dad, won, my dad was one. How old is he now? 44. So it's 43 years ago? Yep. Epic. That's a long time. And I think that's actually a pretty... I think I like that stat better. Yeah. It's pretty impressive to come back two ten point deficits in one game. Also, can I just say the like the little like graphic on the bottom with Kirk drinking Gatorade is yep. so iconic. Especially there was like oh ninety nine recreated for it. like tw- yeah like Vikings like teams down twenty points have never won a game like trailing. And that was the Panthers half. game, right? No, that was the Broncos game. Was that that was the Broncos? Year? A couple years, years ago, ago, Diggs was still okay. on the team. Diggs That's was right. still on the team. Yeah. What was the one against the Panthers, the comeback? Was it just in the final seconds? It was the final seconds. Chad Beebe fumbled the ball. Oh, yeah. did the Panthers got three. Then uh, oh, yeah. he got redemption that was a in the ridiculous back of the end game. zone. Was yes, this missed kick? Yeah, that was Joey Sly. Yeah. Shanked a 60-yarder, I think. Gotta love Joey Sly. He's a Panthers legend. Preet's got that McVay memory when it comes to Vikings games. Got that photographic memory all right let's move on to the Vikings saints game that's upcoming in london sunday morning bright and early you guys gonna be up to watch it or do you watch like a replay no i'm gonna watch it Uh, i wake up early we'll be there let's go um tom's actually going to london i thought that was fun wait really yeah yep Yep. he's just telling me about it today he's like yeah i'm actually really busy i'm just trying to like pack my stuff He's like yeah, our, our editor at Zone Coverage is going, so. Our yeah. boss. All right, moving on. Let's preview this game. Let's just say, hypothetically, I don't know a lot about this Saints team. Pre, what are they looking like, and what should I kind of expect from them? A lot of blitzing. Dennis Allen, their uh, defensive coordinator, blitzes in around over 40% of plays in general. And Kirk this year... <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry. He's their coach now. I forget that he's their coach, but uh, yeah. And Kirk this year, um, he's not been he's not been great handling the blitz. So I would just say expect a lot of blitzes coming in. That is Matt not good news. Took a picture of pre midway through the pod. No, that, that was Carter. I, I took no, that was Carter and sent it to Matt. Yeah, we're having a sidebar. Um, <laughs> blitzing scares me, but not because of the O line. Because Kirk is absolutely crumbling under pressure. 
even when it's not that bad, like abnormally bad after this Eagles game. He looked great week one, but ever since the Eagles game, like last week, I don't know what, like he had the confidence for one game and then it was just like a paper tiger. It's gone. So it's also, they didn't, the Packers didn't blitz too much. That's true. Neither did the Eagles, to be fair. They just got pressure. With well, the, the Eagles just have a good D-line. They just have a good D-line. Uh, front seven, so. Yeah. No, I mean, Kirk, uh, Rob Searles has it right here. Let me just pull it up. He had stats about Kirk. He's the the only two quarterbacks yeah, worse yeah. than him this year against the Blitz are uh, Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Yeah, and his anecdote is good quarterbacks, you know, excel in pressure. Bad ones crumble. Yeah, which is, to that Kirk, which is like, which is really funny because the guy one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz last year. Am I it's wrong diff- on that? It, the, against the blitz is different than under pressure, though. It's really funny that he said great players excel against the blitz, and the second person in passer rating against the blitz is Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy who Jimmy Gar- the- Jimmy Garoppolo dumps off a lot. He's a really handsome man too. Totally needed he fucks that. Porn he is on the side. Again, thank you. Perfect. <laughs> That's why we love Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, also, he needs to throw to Debo more so my fantasy team can do better. Tyler, what's your assessment of the Saints and kind of what are you expecting to see uh, on Sunday? I think people forget that the Saints defense is like pretty solid. You know, they've got Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport. Uh, most importantly, though, they've got uh, Tyron Matthew and Marshawn Lattimore, who, like, Jefferson might have another bad game where, like, a 50-yard game at max because I, I think they're going to stop Jefferson this game. I really do. I mean, well, they're gonna throw everyone Dennis on him. Allen has been their defensive coordinator calling the plays, now head coach, since, like, 2015. There's a ton of continuity there. And with the Vikings right now, it just feels like everyone's trying to get up to speed on both sides of the ball, learning the new schemes. And that might come to bite us next week. I'm, I would not be surprised if the Vikings fall to the Saints in London. I think the exact opposite about Jefferson. I think he goes off this week because with all the pressure, with all the pressure they bring, he's going to be one-on-one in a lot of situations. And I honestly think if you put him one-on-one, I think he'll beat Marshawn Lattimore every day of the week. Lattimore is good, but I don't think he can keep up with Jefferson's speed and shiftiness. Hold on one second, Preet, because the last time Justin Jefferson played Marshawn Lattimore, he had three catches for 44 yards. This he was, was also he was also a rookie in the game. Had nothing. There was nothing to play for that week. And now he's in year three, where Kevin O'Connell was talking about um, how you know Justin Jefferson isn't sneaking up on anyone anymore teams yeah are yeah but they're not gonna their entire game plan just to stop him we missed you think... two arguing last week let's go I, I don't I don't think Dennis Allen's gonna change that because Tyron Matthews still plays in and around the line play, of scrimmage play, play. I don't think I don't think that Dennis Allen's gonna have him drop back in coverage and double JJ especially seeing how KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen were able to take the top off the uh the Lions defense I think he'd be really dumb to double j or triple jj every single play because that's one less guy you can bring on the blitz i think Lattimore gives you the luxury to just leave him on an island i i really do. does he because Lattimore could barely say, keep up with mike evans two weeks ago i will say though is if the vikings want to win this game like they need to spread the ball out big time like feeling needs <laughs> to get involved osborne munt you know lfson even like 
What, what? Oh, oh, they've got a picture of me now. I look terrible. No, you look cute. Keep going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I look all kawaii over here. But uh, I I lost focus, but we're going to have to spread the ball. Good. We can move on now. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's the key. Just distract Tyler, and then we go on to the next topic. Uh, Carter, I like this question because everyone has a different answer. Should we just throw all expectations out of the window because it's a London game and they're going to be in the plane for, what, 12 hours? I don't know how long. Whatever long eight, it's going to be. I eight hours. Eight. Yeah. And it's, then, yeah. The whole thing, the whole London thing just sucks in general. What I, the, this is a very unpopular opinion that I hold. But, well, first, before I get to that, I'd like to point out something that Preet said earlier. The, um, I believe the Saints have already gotten to London. They Correct. left Monday. They, yeah. they left Monday. Okay. And then the Vikings are getting there Thursday. And that means Friday. Friday morning. Oh, excuse me. It was one day off both ends. But um that's a huge difference. And you're gonna have to adjust to a completely different time zone. I think that does give the Saints a pretty big advantage. And I also think that their defense is good and that'll have an advantage over that. Oh the they're gonna be partying for like five days leading up to the game though. <laughs> Hope not. I mean, they get a lot about New Orleans, anyways. So, right, that's yeah. true. I, I mean, think it may be blown out of proportion a little bit because a lot of there is a lot of ease with NFL traveling. I still am not saying it's not hard or anything, but I still think the better team will win most of the time, and I think that's been true for a lot of the games in London, anyways. Is it the Jaguars are like a. His, like the, the Jaguars, Jaguars are, London, are home are all, team there. They're, they're undefeated yeah, that, in it's, London. It's the London Jaguars. But that's that's the one anomaly. That's the outlier, I think. I don't know. I, we all know that the NFL wants to ship them there. Yeah, but um, yeah. which I'm a I proponent of. Shad Khan wants to ship them over there too at this rate. But um, my whole thing with, I mean, I was initially I was really skeptical of the fact that the Vikings were going so late. Then I heard Adam Thielen talk about why and the fact that if you're there. You don't, you know, your body, you have like two days to adjust. And by the time you get back, you're completely like adjusted back to the, your own time zone. And I kind of like that because the next week's the bears and that's a division game that carries more weight. So I feel like they're using, like, they're saying that we value next week more than this week, which I, I tend to agree with. I think the key here for the Vikings is you need to get a bunch of those fancy, like, united emirate planes where like they have those uh mattresses full on in the plane everyone needs to be able to just sleep in a mattress during the flight on the way there just pull an avatar where everyone's in sleeping tanks in space yeah unlimited melatonin and unlimited celsius and they'll be set oh yeah well they better get that tech where all our tax dollars are going um those little joke okay so just to keep on commentary yeah i almost pulled it back there a second all right what do you guys need to see a step up in week four um preet i'm agreeing with you in this one i'm just gonna introduce it kirk cousins for me needs to step up i've been pretty critical of him in the past and then week one i'm like right back on the kirk train but he's back down to earth i'm looking forward to kirk tober but um what do you want to see him do this week to prove himself I want him to stand tall against the blitz and not be afraid to throw the ball. Against the Eagles, he was wincing every time they hit him. I know. I I need you, Kirk, dog, I need you to stay in the pocket this game 
and I need you to just deliver a confident pass. Dog, Kirk. Yeah. Gotta. Also, I'm not a big fan of Kirk Tober because the last time Kirk played in October, he lost to Cooper Rush, which, hey, game by game, as Cooper Rush has played, doesn't look too bad. Cooper anymore. Rush doesn't lose, brother. He looks like the love child of uh, Jason Garrett and Andy Dalton. Maybe that happened, <laughs> dude. Two famous ginger backup quarterbacks for the Cowboys. Together. Yeah, two Cowboys love their ginger backup quarterbacks. Uh, Tyler, someone's gonna trade like for Cooper Rush and give him that Mike Glennon contract. We nah, dude, I don't back. think so. I think he's gonna slide under the radar for a long because he's not flashy at all. Dude, like nobody picked him up this offseason. He was a wave. He, he got cut. He, well, he only played on one game squad. last year. Yeah, but I mean, he did beat the Vikings. You'd see people he threw for like 350 yards, but that was also he has really good Green. rapport with the wide receivers, though. I was impressed. CD, was especially, him. he loves throwing to CD. Yep, who Cooper also Rush is him. just a cool name, too. On top of that, your quarterback is Cooper Rush. What sounds cooler, Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott? Like, I will say Rush is the cooler last name, but anyone named Cooper that's a red flag. Dak is Cooper cool. Manning, Dak's cool as hell. What's his? What's his full name? Like Dak? Is it Rain? Rain Dakota Prescott. Rain Dakota Prescott. That's, that's a what girl's it is. name. Dude, that's bad. At Rain Wilson, classic character of The Office. Dwight Schrute. Um, Tyler, who do you want to see step up in Week Four? Who is the most important player you need to see step up in Week Four? Greg Joseph, and I honestly <laughs> think he will. What? I hate but this take, but go ahead. This is the worst take you have. I. I'm willing to listen, but. <laughs> Look, he would have been the scapegoat if we lost to Detroit. No, because like he missed, he missed two field goals, and they were fifty-six. Sure. That's a franchise record. Oh, okay. We can go to we Carter because me and Preet both on disagree Kevin with you for like making him go out there and do those longer kicks. But I feel like there should be some sort of communication between the kicker and the head coach. Like, hey, can you make this? No. All right, we'll go for it. No, like, no, no kicker saying no. No kicker saying no. Also, like 50, 56 at best is a 40 60 shot. Even if you have, like, unless you have Justin Tucker, then it might be a 50 I don't want to bury you, but I also think, like, part of the decision making was on O'Connell trying to hang with Dan Campbell a little bit, trying to flex, you know, saying, hey, my kicker can do this if you guys are going to get all these fourth downs. Like, and obviously they didn't turn out. I don't know why he was trusting Greg Joseph to do that. I mean, Jake, Greg Joseph's been pretty good as a kicker, um, especially considering our kicking woes as Vikings fans we've seen. But 56 yards is yeah, not a reliable not, kick. The sky's not falling if you miss two 56-yarders. Like, if I really don't an, blame Greg Joseph. If you miss an extra point on top of that, then I might be like agreeing with you. But yeah. 56 is that might get a in his kick. Head. Maybe next time they got to shut the U.S. Bank stadium uh doors they did both go like right that maybe that no draft. no don't don't do that 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 caused the lines kicker to miss his 54 yarder keep keep them doors open baby fair that they keep missed one too open. uh carter i want to just know as an outsider who do you want to see show up week four before you give up on him uh i'm gonna say someone who has not shown up in any week and that's irv smith we spent all off season hyping him up saying how yeah. he's an athletic tight end and I even argued that he's going to get used in the offense more, that he was going to have a really productive year. He hasn't exactly done anything, and arguably he's looked like the second best tight end. Third. 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 Third? That bad? I think Ben Uh, Ellison. On the field, yes. 
but Johnny has been getting open. Irv actually had a couple of good catches. The drop just completely, you know, overshadows all of it. He had that one fair. really good catch where he's falling down. And he grabbed it in. I know. Then he does. Then he does something really bad. He got another yeah, drop. Like Johnny Munt has been better than him so far, and I argue Ben Ellison's been close. And I think if you get Herb to step up, you can get a lot more production because he is a higher ceiling than those two. Oh, players. that drops a linebacker back in coverage as well. That mm-hmm. I think that changes the defense. The uh, excuse me, the game plan against the Saints a lot if you can actually get him involved. That yeah, that brings Demario Davis completely out of the game, or and not completely, but it takes him pretty far. Yeah, in London too. It can, especially with Cook being less than 100. percent And you know, I'm trying to think right now about who the uh, Saints have played, but I don't think they've played anyone that's had a great tight end yet. Um, Kyle Pitts. They played Kyle Pitts. They Kyle played Pitts, Pitts okay. But Arthur and Kyle Smith, Rudolph, bro. Arthur, Arthur Smith refuses that's, to use him. That's true, but you know, if Irv can go off, um, I think this might be a make or break week for him. Uh, if he keeps at this rate, he's not going to be a Viking next year. So, or counterpoint, he'll play himself into a vet minimum contract with the Vikings next year. At this point, do you want that? Yes, I'd, I'd take. Irv he's still very away. athletic. Definitely Fair. want that. He, he he's like Evan Ingram in a way. Every Irv Smith play I've seen this year has just made me frustrated as a fan. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little gun shy when I see him going wide. Yeah, um, he did have that one nice catch where it was all over the shoulder. So pretty. Yeah, but then he dropped like another one right after that. Yeah, See, yeah. When you have to do better, there was sure. that one good play, you know, you can't really – he's probably not playing that well. If you Well, he had that one good play. Yeah, he's a he's been a rough start for old Irv. Like, I, I read something that uh, last week both our other tight – Allison and Munt both had two catches w- along with Irv. The only difference is Irv got six targets. They both got two. Could you imagine if we kept Zach Davidson over Ben Allison? The Vikings might actually be one and two if we had both Zach Davidson with his drops and Irv Smith. No, like, that's an that's such an exaggeration. Ben, ben Ellison seen the. We're not targeting our tight ends that much. Tight end play was that, that's terrible. such a, that's such that's such an exaggeration. We've thrown the ball to Ben Ellison twice. And neither of those plays have had particularly any big bearing on the game. Okay, Pre, we're running out of time, so let's move on to Super Gremlin of the Week. Carter, do you want to introduce it? Just a little generalization. Of course. Super Gremlin of the Week is our segment. We basically get to nominate a player, coach, any sports personality. In case some special cases might even nominate like anybody else that's just done something funny in the world. Basically just to talk about NFL-wide stuff and sports-wide stuff. It was coined by Antonio Brown. He referred to himself this way when he ran out of MetLife Stadium. And my super gremlin of the week is Trevor freaking Lawrence. For those who don't know, I'm a Panthers fan. I love the Panthers to death. But I am a 10% Jags fan. And when the Jags do good, Preet knows this, I put on my Color Rush Blake Bortles jersey. About to go wear it right after this. And I Let's go, go baby. And the Jags looked good. Chargers, you know, they may have had half their team in the hospital. But T-Wall to the Super Bowl, Doug Peterson all the way. It is a different breed in Jacksonville right now. They're going to get rowdy in that pool up there. They get rowdy regardless. Imagine all those crack-headed Jacksonville Jaguars fans, you know. Oh, yeah. It's it's lovely. Living there Char- for a little bit was an awesome experience. Chargers, what happened? Uh, Chargers what don't look happened? good. 
My super uh, gremlin of the week is Jamal Williams. It's like straight out of the P and the even the announcer sketch. said that. Uh, the just one too many hip gyrations in the end zone after doing that touchdown celebration. I mean, didn't the Vikings start at like the forty yard line after that too? Yeah, yeah, because that terrible. So Jamal Williams single-handedly gave us good field position right from the get-go, and I think we scored on that drive. No, Dalvin Cook fumbled on that drive. Oh, okay, okay, we fumbled bad drive. Well, I also just find it find it endlessly entertaining that the only pop culture reference these boomer commentators still have is just Key and Peel sketch. Anytime there's a good celebration, they go, "Oh, just like the Key and Peel sketch." I that sketch is getting old as fuck, dude. I would have loved to have Joe Joe Buck announcing that. That is a disgusting act by Jamal <laughs> Williams. Just, oh no, that was worse than the moon. I'm gonna be honest. Like there would just be the kids an awkward old. dead silence if it was. Yeah, Joe that was Buck. that was weird. He'd stand if there for not, 15 like... seconds, and apparently there's a penalty. It also <laughs> like, like wasn't too many. Like it was obvious it, was it happened, four. but it wasn't it was, like he didn't like four. sit. It wasn't like the. Uh, what was the Steelers player years ago? Was it Willie Gay? Antonio Brown. No, it was no, Gay it was that got Gay. the interception. And he celebrated oh, yeah. for like 10 yeah. minutes on the sideline. Yep. And they kept yep. throwing flags. <laughs> they threw like four flags for you. Yeah. And he just he celebrated with the coach too. Yeah, that was against the uh, Bengals. Yeah. You haven't seen that video. I highly recommend watching it. It, is, <laughs> it just doesn't stop. And the coaches are running up the sideline celebrating with him too. It's incredible. Um, oh. is it uh, pre era? All right, my super gram of the week: Mark Sanchez and Dan Orlovsky. This week in the NFL, we had the blessing of seeing two iconic plays. Honestly, top oh. ten plays of our lifetimes recreated. <clears throat> For those who don't know, Mark Sanchez is very infamous. The Sanchez, as you might refer to him as, is very infamous. Yeah, I would too. For running into his own blocker and fumbling, running into his own blocker's rear end and fumbling the ball in what later became known as the butt fumble. Well, something similar happened in uh, in the uh, Dolphins-Bills game where Thomas Morris, at, from the back of the end zone, punted the ball into the back of his own uh, personal protector's rear end, and it went for a safety. So, And then Dan Orlovsky later in the night, who is infamous for running out of the back of the end zone and not knowing that he ran out of the back of the end zone enough safety where Jared Allen was chasing him. He had, he got a little penance too when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo running out of the back of the end zone on accident, putting one foot down too far. And they both celebrated in the most incredible shithouse fashion. So they are my two super gremlins of the week. I just want to say how much I hate Dan Orvlosky. He just the Same. way he commentates Same. football and talks on talk shows makes it sound like he's just talking down to you, like he didn't lead the Lions to an zero and sixteen record. Yeah, yes. he kind of he kind of plays a little too far into the self awareness meme territory. Like it's also there's a scale. He's on the cringe end of the scale Jimmy. at this point. Jimmy just took one step out. Dan Orlovsky took like fifteen, <laughs> yeah. and then he realized that like. But also, and it was, was just chasing. Jimmy getting set. Like that's yeah. you have to do that before you throw. He probably he probably knew what happened the moment. It hey, happened. Hey, like, and that that safety saved him a pick six because Bradley Chubb picked that ball off and ran it back. That's true. And I was watching that. I was like, oh my god, just an excellent play, and he saved it by stepping out. So you just said big brain and made my blood boil. Before we go, could I wait, you, say wait, something Carter, real quick? Um, I still have a super gremlin, Tyler. Carter, well, well, yeah, you do that first, but 
just ap- after Super Gremlin, I want. Well, to we say talked something. about this a bit, but I'm nominating Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush is uh doesn't lose. He wins 100 percent of every NFL game he's ever started. Um, he might end up being the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL if he keeps up this pace. Um, quite clearly, he's an alpha male among children. Probably the best player in the NFL right now. The stats all point to it. He's just an absolute beast and, dare I say, a super gremlin. I really have n- nothing to add other than he might be the greatest player to ever beat the Vikings last year, and that's the only reason they lost is because Cooper Rush is amazing. Cooper Rush gave us Kevin O'Connell, if you think about it. Thank God we have Cooper Rush in this world. And, like, watching his parents and I think his grandparents were that there was, in his first game. That upset me so much. I that, loved that, it. That, that was a good story. No, no, no. It was Halloween oh, night. I see my gra- yeah, my grandpa died two days before. I just tuned in to watch, like, the last drive because I was like, oh, let's see. His his dad celebrating annoyed me so much. I'm like, I'm already in a shit mood. Now you guys, you guys are really shitting on my day. Cooper Rush made his grandparents so proud, his parents so proud, and you weren't able to ever do that. I know it's a real rough, it's a rough scene. <laughs> okay, Tyler, what were you gonna say? So, for those who are not aware, I live in Florida, more specifically in the path of Hurricane Ian. So Rip. that will Homegrown? come, you know, late Wednesday, early Thursday. So there's a good chance that the power goes out, and if that happens, y'all won't hear from me because there's no power. We won't have so any arguments. Either... We'll just all agree on everything. Yeah, you'll yeah. all agree on everything. Everything will be. Did you listen kumbaya. last week? That's what happened. And it was like, not as entertaining, I do have to say, I think. I did kind or of force there's my the opinions. off chance that I die. But let's. let's we're, we're willing to take that risk to produce as a, the show. As our franchise quarterback once said, if I die, I die. Yeah. I actually have that shirt. Channel so. your Kirk energy this week, Tyler. Next week. If I die, Tyler. I die. All right. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Preet, end the show however you want. Even though I hate it, we'll have to workshop it. But <laughs> You have just completed your voyage on the love boat. Okay, we're done with that. Bye. <laughs> nah, we're not done Bye. with that, baby. <laughs>